Energy healing is a spiritual solution for a seemingly physical problem. Welcome, I'm Caitlin Kuhn, the Energy Tuner. I'm a radionics practitioner, master Reiki, integrative reflexologist, and health kinesiologist. I'm going to teach you all about energy healing and energy work. This podcast is for the novice and expert. We dive into all things energy, from the obscure to the mainstream, and taking you from attention to intention. Energy healing in its simplest definition is the balancing of the coherence of the system. Your system is your physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual bodies that make up your multi-dimensional being. And I will teach you exactly what that means and show you the magic that is in you and the universe and how they work together. This transformational work will help you find and follow your heart and soul's desires, meet your divine complement, and facilitate miracles. Get ready to tune in. Today we have an amazing guest, Heather Frazier. She is the author of The Peanut Allergy Epidemic, a wonderful insightful look into how allergies became such a big thing in children and where that stems from. I highly recommend checking that out. Heather is a body talk practitioner and has experience in quantum touch, iridology, bioenergetics, and then currently works for Ergopathics Canada. She is a wealth of knowledge in all things energy Uh, Even though she's very humble about it, she's very insightful. And we have a wonderful conversation today about our experiences with energy healing, diving into those deep holes, and then how everything relates to quantum entanglement and trying to understand what quantum entanglement is. Without further ado, here's Heather Frazier. All right, we are here today with Heather Frazier. So glad to have you on the show. Heather um, is a wonderful, awesome uh, individual that does so many different things, which you heard in the intro, and she wrote a piece about quantum entanglement that talked about it in a unique way that I hadn't heard, and it's actually hard to find a lot of good information about quantum entanglement if you've been looking, and so I reached out and was like, I really want to talk to you about this, and so here she is today. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks so much for inviting me. Glad to be here. So first, I want to talk, what sparked your interest in quantum entanglement, or how did you find it and get involved in in thinking about it? Oh, great question. And I think maybe my uh, story would be similar to those of other women and moms out there. Um whose children at a very young age uh, have developed um, allergies, and I mean life-threatening allergies, and that's, that is where I started, oh, many years ago. Um, and that's a whole other podcast right there. But um, as any mom would do, um, when this very unexpected development of life-threatening allergies, the peanut, nuts, other foods, massive atrophy, which is um, just general allergies. So there was asthma and eczema and allergies that I didn't, I couldn't even guess at, um, but that sort of unfolded over time as my, my infant son grew older. Um, but I was absolutely determined to understand, you know, 
how to recover this child, if that was at all possible, understand what had happened and why this uh, small person um, had developed so many uh, uh, challenges, health challenges out of the blue. Um, as I say, what I could do about it. And then lastly, which is another whole nother discussion, why so many other children in the same window of time had developed also life-threatening allergies, not just to peanut, but to other foods. Dairy is probably mm-hmm. the number one life-threatening allergy that young people have developed. And when I say young, like the, the age of onset for these massive numbers of children, especially in westernized countries, has dropped. It was, you know, when I first discovered my, my child's illness, allergies, um, he would have been, um, I guess when the, when the shoe dropped or the penny dropped, he was about a year old when he reacted violently to peanut and he landed in the hospital. So, but that's dropped. You've got ch- children who are, you know, six, three months old who are developing these really odd um, allergies and moms and dads are going, well, where the heck did this come from? I don't understand any of this. And, um, you know, as I say, that's a whole nother discussion, but that's where my interest, of course, naturally developed in how do I recover my child? What is available here um, for this little person? And at the time, so this was in 1995, moons ago, when I... (laughs) Um, found out that that we had these problems, and it was an absolute shock to me. And I had no allergies. My husband, no allergies, none in the family. So I, I was really just starting at zero. And um, through those early years, um, you know, I'm consulting other practitioners, uh, homeopaths, naturopaths, nutritionists. You know, there are lots of things that I could do to kind of strengthen him, but there didn't seem to be anything that really kind of touched the, the, the life-threatening um, anaphylaxis. So, you know, we did lots of things over time and as he grew older to, you know, strengthen him through nutrition, through um, excluding certain foods that I was suspicious about. One of the biggest ones, as I mentioned, was dairy, but he wasn't anaphylactic to this. And I'm, what, I'm, what I'm hoping actually in our discussion here is that maybe, you know, some of the information that you and I'll chat about today, Caitlin, will spark thoughts and questions and other people and that's what I love I, I like to ask questions and I, I like to um, you know prompt other people to also ask questions and uh, develop their own ideas and thoughts about about allergy in particular which that's the area where I started um, but also ways in which they can heal so um, yes that's what we're I, all about here is teaching people how to teach themselves I, I love that I think that is really the way to go. Gather your information from all sources um, and, you know, think about it and, you know, make decisions that are best for you and your child or your family um, moving forward from there. Um, just trying to be as open as possible and provide as much information as possible, which is difficult. Um, but, you know, um, we, we manage and we get through it and kids are there are opportunities and possibilities for children, for anybody to recover. So um, when I was searching kind of desperately for anything that would help my child with his anaphylaxis, I 
I was open. And I've got this line of weird, I call it. And it's like, I'll come up to something that I've <laughs> never been introduced to before. And I'll go, oh, man, that's really weird. That can't be possible. And I'll just stop. And I'll sit with it for a while. And what pushed me forward was this sense of, in a way, this kind of determination. I don't want to use desperation necessarily, but like this determination of, well, my we're still struggling with this these allergies and I want to know what else is out there. And so I'll push past it. And then you learn. And at that point, as I say, if, if it's not jiving with, with what you think or what you feel or what you believe, then you're not you're not going to go any further. But I was just so available to learn. Uh, and um, in 2007, so I'd gone through the nutrition and the homeopathy and the everything to, 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 you know, to some nice effect. We looked at, we looked at iridology. So you can see the areas mm-hmm. of inflammation if there are any iridologists out there. Um, acupuncture, absolutely. Uh, but in 2007, I'm jumping all over the place here, but I, I'm trying to be as chronological as possible here. I, I found uh, bioresonance. I, you know, it was at a health show, and I was introduced for the first time to the idea. Really, you know, it didn't, it didn't sink in through the homeopathy or the acupuncture that we have an energy anatomy, and that you know the mind and body are are one right. and one does it one i mean we're, we're a complete picture as we you know in western medicine we're kind of taught that you know the clock metaphor or analogy where you know a piece breaks let's say oh we can take that out or repair that and put it back and then hopefully everything will go more smoothly well you know that's one way of looking at what we are and who we are but it, you know, as you move forward and you discover energy medicine, you find that well, no, we are, we are a whole and we are connected. And this is where I kind of jumped in and I pushed past the line of weird into understanding about meridians. And there's lots of information out there uh, about what are meridians um, and how this might function in the body. And it, it from traditional Chinese medicine. And as I say, and I'll just reiterate this, I am, I am not an expert what i have is experience in searching for answers in a particular problem and very even incomplete so anyway what what i found and this this came from on natural bioenergetics health kinesiology and jimmy scott who's very well known in the energy uh, community in the uh he he and others sort of discovered some points in the body that if you were to tap on them, and there's lots of tapping information out there, um, it can make it can manifest in a change. And what happens, I believe, when you tap on points or when you use electroacupressure or uh, address those points in any way, it manifests in the neuroendocrine system. It happens instantly, and there's a change that happens. And so while it's energetic, it manifests um, biochemically in the neuroendocrine system. This is this is from the reading that I've done and anybody can look that up online and that it changes the body so rapidly. Um, It's just, it was indisputable to me and shocking. So one of the things that I did early on to prove it to myself, because, you know, we're we're all skeptical. We all kind of come from 
you know, a background where this is excluded from our education completely. Um, I was, I was, um, I was camping essentially, and I was out in a canoe, and I'd been bitten by so many mosquitoes. And people can try this themselves and see how it works for them. But I'm so I've got these itchy mosquito bites, and that's a histamine reaction essentially. Mm-hmm. So I started tapping on these points that I learned. I thought, you know, well, let's just try it. I'm out here in the middle of the lake, all on my own, and I'm, you know, itching like crazy. And I started tapping on these particular points, and it stopped, things stopped itching within about a minute. And Were I, you using I the allergy tap? Determined and focused. I guess that's what it is. Okay. Is that what it is? So you've got, you've got, you've got points at, at, the, at the, um, the bladder, the stomach, the large intestine, the kidneys, the spleen pancreas, and then there are the matching points at the feet. So and for folks listening, I think the that I there can... are actually really good YouTube videos out there that have the allergy tap. It's the one thing um, that they kind of put out there for free all the time so you don't have to take all the classes. Sorry, side note. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that that came from Jimmy Scott. And if anyone's taking notes also, um, and the Biocom people are out there, um, there was a book by Peter Schumacher, who was one of the early proponents of bioresonance devices. And he also has this in his book, and he shows an early version of the BICOM machine. And I don't know enough about BICOM, but um, he was really very much involved in that. And he mentions another um, uh, man named Henneke. So it, it was all kind of, you know, through the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s, a lot of this information was coming out about helping children who had eczema and allergies, asthma, et cetera. And, but still, this is all new to a lot of people. And it was new to me, having come from a very academic kind of a background, and suddenly I have this little person requiring help. So I pushed into the world of bioresonance and the vials that are produced also by ergopathics, and these are, we call them signature vials, or they contain a water that's, that's structured in a way that holds the frequency or the energetic signature of what is indicated on the label. So, it, you know, it might be a food, it might be, an enzyme, you know, it could be anything in the world. Um, and these are these are um, vials that I was introduced to in 2007, along with bioresonance. And they they are um, the the language we use is that these are potentially stressors that they're stressing the body in some way. And so exactly. I was I was introduced to this in the world of energy medicine, and I was just I was just absolutely blown away. How is it possible that this was right here all the time and nobody told me? And uh, it was a very exciting time. If, if anyone's brand new to this, um, you know, explore it. And, you know, you have to go past that line of weird. There's no question about that because there's really no solid, as you might say, scientific evidence. But I was just so determined to learn as much as I could, as quickly as I could, that I went in all of these directions. So. So I, that's so awesome. For some reason, I didn't realize you had a connection to natural bioenergetics. I thought you were a body talk. And so, and that's how I got started too, was through, you know, actually it used to be called health kinesiology, but that's how I got my start too. And it is, it is an incredible practice. Um, And I, I was able to kind of, go ahead. Yeah. I was, I I was introduced kind of in a 
in a sideways way with another device to bioresonance. But I learned very quickly that a lot of that information had been repackaged from work that had been done in Germany with the Biocom people and in, you know, in Europe and then, of course, over into North America uh, with Jimmy Scott and, um, and that, that organization there. So it's all kind of of a family, I yeah. would say, of yeah. information. Um, and you just kind of keep learning. But then, of course, you know, I, I ended up opening my own small practice in Toronto, and I responded to people who come to me with different kinds of problems, and I then began to learn more as one does. You kind of get hooked on the, on the information. You just you want to know more and more. Mm-hmm. And I studied um, body talk, which is also it's a consciousness-based modality uh, created um, in the 90s. Um, And uh, I studied that, and I studied holistic nutrition, and um, quantum touch is out there also. So I was really responding to people when they came to me, well, what kind of tools or modalities do I need to, to learn in order to help the people who are being drawn to me or who are coming to me? And so uh, I was fascinated by this consciousness-based. So it's very simple and non-invasive. Um, I, I, are you familiar with um, with the body talk? Did you study it? I didn't study body talk. Um, I have a few friends that do body talk, but and I actually just mm-hmm. got my first session. I did a trade with a gal in South Africa. I did a radionic session, and she did um, body talk on me, and so we both did long distance, which was really cool. Um, but no, I started in uh, health kinesiology, Reiki and reflexology and then kind of, you know, I, I really liked it. I really loved it, but it wasn't, I felt like there was something missing. And so then when I found the radionics, it was kind of like the, the missing puzzle piece that I could put it all together into one because the, the natural bioenergetics is very similar to radionics and they they work really well together and so for the radionic people out there um what we would call a correction in um in the natural bioenergetic world is a broadcast in radionic world and that's what and and the tools that we use you know the vials that you're talking about the radionic community would call that a reagent or something that we're sending that has uh information stored and that's, that's kind of a good segue into the quantum entanglement, which is how all of this is done. And quantum entanglement to me is just everything being connected. But, but you tell, tell me, you have a good, a, a different view on it that I want, I want you to talk about it a little bit. <laughs> well, um, I was looking for, and as I say, I like to ask questions, and I was looking for, you know, a better understanding about these things that I had stumbled across in my practice. So first, as I was in in practice in Toronto for about a year or so, <clears throat> and then I started to get, I started to feel what my client was feeling as we were doing the work, and I'd say, you know, do you do you have a headache or do you suddenly, like it would come on suddenly, do you, do you feel nauseous? And they go, yeah. Is your, you know, does your knee suddenly hurt or 
does that suddenly feel better? And you feel the shift that they were experiencing. And, you know, then I talk about it with, with my colleagues and, oh, yeah, that's, that's a thing that happens. And I don't even know what to call it. And there was nowhere really that I was finding out, well, what is, what is happening? And I, I was really careful with my energetic hygiene also, um, you know, disconnecting from the client when they left and, you know, grounding myself and that type of thing, which is hugely important because you can end up taking on things, energies that you don't want and don't need. <laughs> so that was kind of the first phase. And then I honestly, and I can't remember exactly how I fell into this, the remote work which you've described. Um, I guess it was just suggested to me. And um, I just tried it with some people. And I use a dowsing tool. And I've got the vials. I kind of use them as a directory in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think bringing all these pieces together and you, you use what you've got and what kind of makes sense that the, I use the body talk in the remote work. Um, uh, it's a very structured approach. It's um, methodical, which I really enjoy. And it takes you on a journey of broken energetic communication within the body mind complex. And you, you, uh, you essentially do a yes, no thing or, a, or a, a positive negative kind of a, um, um, questioning as you go through this chart and it, I wish I could have the visual here um, and you do a yes and it takes you over here and you, you ask for the question and you get a yes and it takes you over here and you build a formula, these links between these pieces. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I started to get people who, who they would phone me from they're in Minnesota. They're on the other side of the world. They're, they've heard about me through so-and-so and I said, okay, well, let's let's just give this a whirl. And I started to connect with them through this structured process. And you you focus and you, you know, essentially you put yourself in that zone. I'm sure everybody knows what, what we're talking about here. You're just completely immersed in that person and your intention is always the very best. You, you just want, you just want that, uh, uh, the outcome you you try not to put impose any kind of that's that's a hard thing to to second guess or impose your will or anything of that nature on this session i use bob beck's neutral bob beck had a bob beck had a really great way of putting it he said everything you do do in divine order with harm to none and if that is your intention then you're only doing what their body is going to ask for and you can't do any harm so that's right. what I use. And that is, yeah, you can't do harm. You can only do good, or at least that's my that's my perspective, um, for sure. And it it didn't shock me at that point, but I was so delighted that I could connect with someone in another area of the world and have an immediate positive effect on them. And it kind of startled the other person. <laughs> And then I, of course, then I'm just asking the question as I'm continuing with this, and it seems very normal to me, like a natural phenomenon that I could connect. You know, you chat with somebody on the phone, that makes sense. You chat with somebody through the Zoom or the internet, and that makes sense. But people never ask, well, how is that possible? Well, how is this remote work possible? And the, the, the little bits that I stumbled across that kind of explained what this was, and again, not an expert, but the scalar energy and the idea of entanglement that 
we are, it's not whether or not or if, it's that we are all constantly in a, I would call it like a soup, you know, is it a map? Is it a network? What is the metaphor? It feels more like a soup to me where you're, you're just mm-hmm. always connected. It's a matter of recognizing it and being able or finding a way to navigate your way through it and connect with someone specifically. And it's, it's your focus and your intention and your tools. So yes, you can be connected to someone and kind of feel something, but if you're making specific inquiries as you would do if someone was in your office, um, like with the body talk, asking these questions and doing this work, you're going to come up with a formula or information that is relevant to that person. And then what do you do with it is another question. Um, if you, there's so many different modalities available that you can use to, to help somebody and, and, or to teach them, you know, how to do it. But, you know, so it just was a natural evolution for me over a handful of years of just practicing. And, um, as I say, it might startle some people or, you know, you just, it people come to it when they're ready, I suppose. Also. Yes. Yes, definitely. You know, it's interesting too. So I've talked to a few, uh, other folks in the radionic community, because we talk about quantum entanglement quite a bit in radionics, because I think it's because it's so uh, unique. And most of the work, almost all of the work is done remotely. It's, it's kind of hard to explain to someone that's really unfamiliar with anything energetic, how it works. So we are often telling people about quantum entanglement and trying to explain it in a very approachable way that makes sense to them. And one of the, uh, so Dan Magnum, who is another great practitioner, he talks about um, quantum in a unique way too, because we use the term scalar, or, you know, that's kind of like a popular uh, thing that I think came from Tom Bearden, but I'm not exactly sure. But it's also a theory, and nobody really knows if scalar is actually a field. Is it a wave? What is it? And I've kind of turned away from the word scalar just because it's so undefinable and it's 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 so broad. I really like using um, the the data fields as kind of an uh, a different way to explain quantum entanglement because it's not. In my experience, I don't know. I, I kind of like what you said. How it's it's a soup. Because it's not really like a a light wave that's like sending to and from. It's more like a connection that's turned on and off or pulsing or, you know, it's, 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 you, you can feel it and it's, it's an interesting feeling, but how do we define it? And one thing you wrote in your blog that I really liked was that you talked about how it can, you know, entanglement can decohere and how that loss of coherence, that loss of communication is when the issues arrive. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should talk about that a little bit. Well, I like your term data field also. And it's when, you know, as you're speaking, it occurred to me that when you move your awareness away from it, it also, you know, decoheres or falls apart. It's like, you know, the question that was posed so many years ago and was, you know, how does this, particle know what's happening to that particle over there when there's no way for them to communicate and then you know things like it disappears all of these things and then the idea of 
of timelessness. Like there's no time or space, like all of those kinds of concepts when you, it's like, what's a, you know, what, what does it feel like to be floating between here and the moon? It's like these kind of concepts. I, you know, I don't know where to go with them. Exactly. Did you see that quantum entanglement actually got was proven just maybe two months ago in Germany? Two German physicists proved quantum entanglement through fiber optic with particles. They actually won the Nobel Prize for it. That's just this year. There, there's, there's been a lot of really interesting work done. Oh, again, not, not a scientist, not a, a, an expert here, but I love to read about it and to better understand if it's at all possible. Um, you know, from a lay person's perspective, well, what what are they doing out there? Why why are they pursuing this exactly? Is another question. Um, mm, that's a great and, question. You know, <laughs> 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 like I, the Nobel Prize is a whole other podcast, um, and where that came from and why. Um, it, you know, it, it's just a really interesting story. Um, but yeah, I have I have many more questions based on it just my experience of, well, how is this even possible? Um, you can do it, you get comfortable doing it, and it's not a shock or a surprise. It's like within the community, well, what, what can one do further to, to, to better affect using this um, phenomenon? And that's what it is. It's a natural phenomenon. And what else is out there? It's also a natural phenomenon that we're sort of um, programmed not to recognize or not, you know, it's almost like you have to push your way through the envelope that you're in and reach out in some type of uh, desperate or determined way to get this information that is, that is, it's held back. Is it held back deliberately or just through our conditioning? It's, it's held back. I think both. Um, do you have an answer for that? I, I would definitely say both. I would definitely say both because, you know, we, we actually experience entanglement all the time. My, my favorite analogy is a hug. When you hug somebody that you especially love, you feel that transfer of energy. And did anything really happen? Or was it just a transfer of energy? You know, it's, but you can feel it. And especially if you're not feeling great or you feel sad or you're scared, when someone, especially someone that you love, hugs you, and it can happen even with strangers, that transfer of energy will shift you. And that's a very mm -hmm. small, like simple thing. Or you take a walk out in nature, you spend a couple minutes looking up and all of a sudden you feel calm and at peace. And that's, that's imprinting happening in real life. So it's, it's, it's easy to experience and we experience it all the time. We just don't have the words for it because nobody talks about it because we are very much in this physical, like you might, you know, almost lack of spirituality world mm -hmm. because it's mm -hmm. it's uh it's very simple and yet very complex at the same time exactly uh, conundrum exactly let's pause for one moment and roll with it or let's pause okay sorry so i think that for some reason it is It's not, it's not like it's difficult to understand. I think it's difficult to define. And that makes it hard to understand. And that's what I've talked to with Dan with this other guy. 
Because if we can't define something, how can we understand something? And there's a lot of things. That, and I think that's why energy work is really hard for some folks too, is because if we can't define it, how do we understand it? And we're very caught up in this world. Yet, yeah, Do we understand anything? But we, so many things are presented to us as this is the truth, when really it's just a bunch of theories. We don't really know what's real and what's not. Well, there's also a leap of faith. There's a leap of faith. And I think, and I heard a quote this. Some people don't want to know. Yeah. Some people don't. Well, I heard a quote. um, I was just at a radionic symposium, and one of the teachers there, she said, You can really offend somebody's reality with the truth. So you have to be gentle with people. And that's, and I've found that to be true because sometimes if you offer too much information, even though it might resonate with them, they have a very real emotional reaction because it's like it kind of crumbles a lot of things that they thought may have been possible or weren't possible. And that leads to a whole, you know, new can of worms that they weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Well, I've over the years also, I've had clients who are just completely shut down and blocked and they'll come in with their arms crossed and there's nothing you can do so i if someone is open enough that their that their belief system might crumble or be shaken they're ready for it it seems to me uh and it's not going to be comfortable um yeah and there is definitely the possibility of doing too much and then you know just within a session and then it's possible to you know make someone feel unwell but at that moment are they not just ready make a change. So. You know, I've heard that. I know that some people that they're, you know, they're very adamant about not putting folks into, you know, what they would call a healing crisis. I'm not of that mindset right. because some of the best sessions that I have had on me, actually my first couple of sessions uh, with health kinesiology back when I was 20 years old, the next day I thought I was dying. I thought I was dying. Like there was so much happening. It was such a major detox for me. And then two days after that, I was a different person. It literally changed my life. And so I wouldn't consider that a healing crisis. I would say that was a major detox that needed to happen. And so I I kind of don't uh, buy into the dogma of like, we must be careful. I'm like, you know, if they want to shift and they want to get rid of this and they're dowsing for it or they're muscling te- muscle testing for it, I- I'm not going to tell them no. I'm going to do it for them because they're ready. They might have a couple rough days and while they're getting it all out. But then it's, mm. then it's, you know, they're ready to fly. So I don't know. I think yeah. that there's Just fair warning, fair oh, warning. Fair I, d- warning. Gonna, I, d- you're going to feel like crap for a couple of days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially if, and, when I did it, I didn't get any warning and I had no experience with energy work. I actually called my what? practitioner and was like, I don't know what's going on. And she's like, you'll be okay. Just give it a couple of days. And I was like, are you sure? Cause I think I'm going to die. <laughs> Well, you know, when I was first learning um, the body talk and we're practicing on each other and we're just fumbling along a bunch of us in this, in this class, it was over a week or something like this. And, um, you know, we'd be jumping in with our best intention and these things would happen that um, were very, they were very powerful. And I call them like energetic, like an energetic wind that would come through and you could feel it and kind of in your mind's eye see it coming from 
somewhere and and it was a complete surprise i had a body talk session and with, within a formula you'll have you'll have defined by or oriented to something like a, a time person place object activity animal money emotion whatever it might be and it'll come up and in one of my sessions it was this tree that I used to play in when I was very small on my grandparents' farm. And it was this cherry tree and it was so old and I would climb up into this massive tree and I'd sit up there <laughs> and eat these cherries from the tree. And that, you know, my grandparents are passed away and the tree passed from my memory, not, you know, and in this session as an adult, I'm working with, and this tree comes up in the session and both of us looked at each other and we went, something's happening there's a and this this energetic wind i call it came from some far away place and we both felt it and it came through and it was it was physical in a way and it it pushed us both and we both stopped and we're just breathing and catching our breath and then it was gone and i don't know what that was interesting i, I, I don't have a name for that i don't have and that that contained that kind of thing of energetic wind continued to happen in the early part of, of my sessions. And then I think maybe I blocked it in some way because I was confused by it. So if anybody out there has an explanation for that, I'd love to hear it. But um, like you feel shifts. You but definitely feel shifts. Uh, you know, so I've when had... you talk about having these detoxes and all of these events that happen, you know, we, do we, we have to come up with a new language for it, really. I know. I've I actually had a really weird experience. I did a session on um, a gal's property. So we did like the entire house, the property, and she's got a little mini farm and animals. And it was a property that they had purchased. And be before they moved in, the people that owned it prior, they were like massive hoarders. So when these people bought it, they, they ended up moving out. I don't even know. I think she said like five of those huge construction dumpsters of just garbage and, you know, just stuff. But anyway, so I did a session just to kind of balance out everything and bring up the vitality and just make it a little bit, you know, happier in a, in a weird sense. And it was the longest session I've ever done in all my years. It was weird. It was almost like I felt like I was moving through like tar, like just sludge, like I just couldn't get anything going. And and that went on for probably four hours. And this it should have been oh it should have been a three hour session. It was like an eight hour session. And finally, we once we got to a certain point, then everything sped up. But it was so it was like visceral for me. Like I could feel it, I could feel like how we were just like slowly getting there. Like there was just, there was something really energetically stuck that had to be cleared before we could move on. And it took, oh my God, it was, it was exhausting for me too. And usually I don't use my energy at all. That's kind of why I love radionics because I don't use any of my energy, but I think because it, it needed so much to move it that I, it was, it was really weird. So I know what you're talking about. I haven't felt the wind, but I have felt other weird things that I'm not making up. Like I'm not crazy. I mean, maybe I am, but it's, it's very real. You're it's a, and it's a very real experience. And especially when you're, you're in the session, you're in the zone, you're so connected to that data field. And that actually comes from Ludie Larson. She calls it 
IDF. She calls it the intrinsic data fields. And so she talks mm-hmm. about connecting to specific data fields. And I don't know if they are individual or if it's a collective. I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know. See, that's like kind of hard to define, but you're definitely in yeah. something. You're, you're somewhere else other than this physical space. There's something mm-hmm. going on that's... Yeah, I love that term. That's new to me, data field. And, yeah, um, I like it too. It can be, it, it just sounds it's infinite. M- and it's more explanatory than scalar. I think when people hear the word scalar, it's 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 kind of undefined. You know, we have these kind of pieced together what people think and people are like, oh, they're using scalar technology, but what is it? You know, is it a wave? Is it, you know, so the information just yeah. feels better to me because it feels more understandable, more defined. But that's that's what Einstein was calling, you know, spooky action. I think he was connecting to these information fields. Same with Tesla. Um, and then there's another thing I, want, I wanted to ask you about in your blog. You talked about um, the resonance between the information and then endpoints. And it really it made me think of meridians and, and health kinesiology, how that we use the endpoints a lot. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting. I've never seen that connection to maybe there are data field endpoints that we're connecting to. Because the endpoints in the meridians are very um, kind of big, like openers and closers of getting things in and out. Yeah, and I've, I've recently read that um, there we should be calling them areas, not even points. Ooh. <laughs> some of them are as big as saucers and this was something that that i it made a lot of sense to me because i've always called the points very forgiving and i guess by forgiving it now means that these points aren't little tiny dots that they can be wide and that they're all a little bit different so um yeah um i it wish is. i knew more about like the term scalar it's like it, it had been defined by practitioners, and I'm not even sure who, but it's sort of an accordion type that it was described and how and why do we know that? I, I, I don't know. But um, that, and I guess maybe it was Tesla. We're not sure who first uh, used the term. I'm, I'm not even sure. But um, it, and again, this is this is theory and it's description that's out there. And whether it's correct or not, I, I don't know. But, you know, d- talking about shapes and like um, it, it, this, this is stuff that I just sort of I fell across in, in the reading is that you know whether it's waves or particles or non-particles um, but if you think about you know your fingers um, when when they're caught phase locked in when it's when it's locked in that you're stable but you can't be stable there's always a an ebb and a flow, you got to have change and stability, you know, they go hand in hand, but things like um, twisters or tornadoes or shells or things that have sort of that concentric appearance to them or that vortex, that this is where change happens and that, you know, maybe that experience I had with the tree, <laughs> it was something of a vortex that happened that needed to 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 shift that it had been waiting to move. I, I just don't even know. But, Interesting. You know, these are things that I'd I'd love to know more about, um, and you know, well, we use 
symbols and shapes in a way to help us understand and give um, and our understanding to these things. And it, but it's not for a lot of people. It's not even necessary. It's just um, they just. It's just a leap of faith into these things, and we'll never really know in our with our conscious minds. Uh, perhaps uh, what what this is, or how to how to describe it, or maybe if we're evolved people, at some point we'll all just connect in this way moving forward. Um, you know, like you do with a cell phone, which is which is an intermediary, and maybe it kind of gets in the way of us connecting with each other in in more profound ways um, that are more that that are natural phenomena, like like this. You know, being able to connect with somebody in you know in Minnesota, which I did, and I. You know, you, you douse on it, you focus on it, you come up with this really amazing information that makes them go, what? How did you know that? How is that possible? And I said, I don't know. But then they believed it too because you, you've shown them how, how it's possible. So, so much, so much to learn. So well, you, you might appreciate this then. So this is even weirder. So I have been doing sessions on my great-grandmother who has, you know, mm. 20 years passed to do um, uh, generational trauma clearing. And it is wild wow. the things that come up because they resonate for me. And I can tell that they apply to many of my family members that, you know, my mom, my sister and aunts and uncles. And it, so that has been really interesting, but it's, it's kind of, I think that there's so much there I can only do little bits at a time. It'll only allow me to do just little bits because that's that's quite a bit of clearing, you know. Mm, yeah, you've hit on my next line of weird. That's <laughs> come up in a whole lot of sessions for me over the years, and I've been asked in the session to go there, but I'm going. Mm, I'm not ready. And so I, I pulled back, and now you've, you've brought it out again. So Oh, it's time then. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the next line of weird. I better get ready. Yeah, it's fun. It's not, it's, it's, it's not like, uh, I, was, I was kind of scared of it too, but it's been actually really, really great. And I can see the shifts in the family. It's, it's kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I, I haven't done it with, you know, I haven't had any clients approach me about it for them. So I've only done it for myself. I haven't had any outward experience of other people. So mm -hmm. I, well, I, it's just, it just reminds you that there's so, there's just so much we don't know. And with our conscious minds that we have to use our other senses, our other abilities and the rest of our mind and uh, to connect with this information that's available to us if we, yeah. My next book, The Line of Weird and How to Cross It. Ooh, that'll be great. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a fun chat. And I look forward to coming or uh, having you come back and talking about your first book because there's so much information there that we have to go over. Yeah. Um, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a challenging um discussion about how and why we have now you know I'm going to say and in, in, you know I did a little research and of course the elementary schools let's say and 
how do we have upwards of 30% of children with emergency uh, anaphylactic medications on the allergy wall? I don't know if you're familiar with those, but you know the little people generally aren't allowed to carry around their EpiPens. It's on a on a wall in the in the office with their pictures, kind of like a mugshot. How did we get here? Is is the question that I is it's answerable. That is answerable. It is answerable. For sure. And I I actually. Yeah have personal experience with it so mm. I, okay that's a, that's a whole can of worms be a good chat. it'll be a really good one <laughs> yeah I, i'd love to be able to uh use use the the work you were doing in that um house of sludge with um you know other issues how interesting would that be Ooh. yeah that's Let's talk about that next time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Would love that. Well, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. It was really great chatting with you. And uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon, I hope. Of course. Thank you so much for listening. Are you interested in radionics? I love helping people get started in radionics through my self-designed paper instrument. You can find it at theenergytuner.com slash tools. You'll also find more information on private sessions, my blog, and other fun tidbits that will aid you on your energy work journey.